0: This is your coffee break. Hey, friends, I am back again this week and I have an awesome new writer to share with you. I don't know if that's my part to share writers with you, but to have a conversation with. This is off to a terrible start. Anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It makes it sound like your show's a lending library and and your guests are, you're like, go to the, the card catalog and check out Kevin John's.
0: I love this. Oh, yeah. So okay. So our guest today is Kevin Johns, as you may have assumed from uh, from that intro. And we're going to be talking about writing and Kevin has a book that is coming out, which I'm kind of excited about. So Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about your book?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my writing journey, I guess, kind of began, like you, I studied English literature in university. So I did a master's in English and finished it and started working on my novel, right? Like, what do you do when you graduate? You start working on the book. And after many, many years of struggle and heartache and ups and downs and this and that, that's a whole other story, the book finally came out. Um, And that was my first novel, The Page Turners. And the book came out, and all of my friends and family bought it. And I, I made all these sales, and then my sales dropped dead because everyone I knew had bought it. And it turns out books don't just magically sell themselves. So (laughs) that then became this journey of like, oh, my God, I just spent like six years in university reading Shakespeare. I don't know how to like sell something. I don't know business. Uh, So it it, it really quickly led into this journey of entrepreneurism and business that I've kind of been studying for the last few years now and trying to implement. Uh, But the funny thing is, you know, really early on into that education, I was like, you know what, I think books are a terrible business. Like I pour my heart and soul into this thing for eight years and then I sell it at like a $2 profit. I was like, this is a terrible business. So I I thought, okay, is there something else I can sell that can then create some money that can support my writing? And I really don't know much about the world. I'm like baffled by the world, but I do know how to write. (laughs) And so I was like, well, why don't I teach a course on writing? And so I created an online course called the Novel Writers Blueprint, where I shared everything I knew about writing. And, you know, I taught a lot in grad school and I had a lot of experience with public speaking and teaching and stuff. So it was right up my alley. But as it turns out, selling online courses is its own thing. (laughs) It's just as hard as selling books. Uh, And so eventually, I ended up working with a business coach who said, well, you know what you should do? You should sell the course, but also offer a really high-end coaching package with it. No one will ever buy the coaching package, but it'll make the course look cheaper. I was like, cool, let's do it. And then people started buying the coaching. (laughs) Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. And so what I discovered actually <laughs> after this long journey of, of online course and business and this and that and writing and publishing several books, I've kind of landed in this niche now where I have a business as a writing coach. And so I work with authors, I work with one on one clients, and I also have a group program. And uh, every week I'm in there working with authors, helping them to succeed and just sharing what I know and also just providing a support and a- accountability and all those things writers need to get through this long giant marathon that is writing a book and so that keeps me very busy but I also feel like I kind of need to walk my talk (laughs) you know it's tough to get on coaching calls every week and be like you should be doing your writing you should be setting goals and achieving them and so in addition to all that other stuff I'm doing I'm also continuing to work as an author uh so I have my new novel coming out at the end of the month yeah so I'm really excited about that it's a uh New adult, young adult thriller called M School about a girl who is recruited into a secret training program for teenage assassins. And this happens after her best friend is murdered. And so she goes there hoping to develop the skills to avenge her friend. But the longer she spends at M School, the more she kind of realizes this might not be a healthy environment in that killer teenagers set loose in the world might not be the best thing in the world. So yeah, that's the book, and uh, I'm really stoked uh, to share it with people and, and get it out there and uh, and also kind of hopefully serve as a bit of an example for my clients um, because I'm, as someone like you who works with writers and talks to writers, you know they're t- so overcome with self-doubt and with second-guessing and with perfectionism, and so uh, I kind of see my own books as an opportunity to say like, hey, guys. I don't think this is the best book ever. I think it's a great book and that's good enough. And I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to share it with the world and uh, and hopefully show them that, you know, writing a book and publishing a book is a really, really big deal on one hand. But on the other hand, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort, but it's not going to change my life. I'm not going to move into a mansion. People aren't going to start asking for my autograph on the street. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy to get the book out to readers and start the discussion around the issues uh existing in that book but also happy to kind of use it as an example to my clients of like hey guys uh, i'm not just up here talking about how to write i'm doing it i'm putting my stuff out there and uh taking a risk like we all risk when we put something into the world
0: oh my gosh yes i love the idea for your book is that inspired by something or is it similar to other stuff you've written or where did that come from
1: Well, I I was listening in preparation for this interview. I binge listened to like 20 of your podcasts. (laughs) And so in one of them you were like talking really early on. You were talking about Ray Bradbury, and I love Ray Bradbury. And then you were talking about Buffy, and I was like, oh, my God, this girl's going to like M-School. And then you were talking about Anita Blake and how you thought she was kind of a little bit of a sociopath, but that was kind of fun uh, journey to go on. Um, that's what my book is about. That's that's the kind of core underlining theme of the book, is that my main character, Lilith, uh, has sociopathic tendencies. And the, the, the kind of core question of the book is, which way is she going to go? Is she going to make the decisions that are going to allow her to become a good person? Or is she going to follow a path of violence and a lack of empathy and go that route? So... But where it all came from was really my first two novels, The Page Turners and The Page Turners' Economy of Fear, were horror sci-fi fantasy mashups about a group of teenage boys and then one girl. And the girl was kind of a supporting character. So it was kind of really two books about young boys. And after two books like that, I was like, I want to do something different. And so I wrote a book about girls. So M School is all about girls. Um... The page turners is third person past. M school is first person present. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the, the kind of uh, jumping off points for writing M school was just, I wanted to stretch myself as an artist. You know, I'd done these two books uh, in the Page-Turner series, and there's going to be a third. It's a trilogy. But um, after a couple of years of that, you know, I wanted to try something different. I wanted to try to write about women. I wanted to try to write in first person and write in present tense. And uh, so that was kind of from a writerly perspective, what your your audience was probably most interested in. That That's some of the reasons that sent me on the direction of of writing M School.
0: I love that. And so like every once in a while you'll see me glancing down here. What I'm doing is taking notes, one of which is by M School. So, ah! <laughs> I like
1: it. I like I'm very, it. I'm
0: very excited about this also. How are we not friends? Like with the
1: It's funny. You you had an interview with another guest, Andrew, where you said <clears> it was like you guys were the same person. And there was this this really embarrassing moment for me listening to that podcast cuz Andrew said, "You know, I I started writing Probably the same reason we all start writing, and in my mind there was like a there like a two second gap before he answered, and in that two second gap I was like, of course, darkness, pain, anger, rage, angst, and then he was like, love of books, and I was like, oh, oh that, right, right that. I, was, I immediately went to the dark place, but but no, so anyway, yeah, I feel I feel like you and I are existing definitely in the same world of. Uh, of you know a literary background uh, a love of genre fiction and also existing in the online business space and kind of understanding the ins and outs of of being a modern entrepreneur
0: Speaking of that you've actually two of the things that you said are making a Venn diagram in my mind and that is have you noticed that it's difficult to market yourself or to or if it's different to market yourself being a genre writer yourself
1: Yeah I think that was one of the big learning opportunities for me with those first two books with the page turners books because Writing them, I was just coming from this literary background, and I was like, I love sci-fi. I love action. I love, you know, uh, horror. I'm just going to mix it all together into this awesome genre blend the way Buffy does and the way comic books do. You know, I grew up reading comic books, and in comic books, Spider-Man will fight a zombie, one issue, and then a robot, the next, and then, like, an evil wizard, the next. And I was like, I want a series of novels that does that. And so I was really thrilled to do that. But it makes the marketing of them horrible. <laughs> it's a major mistake from a marketing perspective because are they horror novels or are they fantasy novels or are they sci-fi novels? Because you know, as you know, as a marketer, your goal is to know your audience and then get in front of them, go to where they are. And when you mush up twenty different or three different genres, it's cool as a reader and as someone who loves genre fiction. But as a marketer, it's a nightmare. And so um, that was. A, a, another kind of lesson that I took to M school where I was like, this is a thriller. This is a straight up thriller. I'm going to pitch it to lovers of thrillers. Uh, The cover, it has um, a bunch of blood on the cover. And so I'm I'm very (laughs) clearly saying this book has violence in it. If you don't like violence, don't read this book. And, uh, and so that was uh, definitely a lesson learned is that it's really, really tough to market books to begin with. And you're not doing yourself uh, any favors by not, really zeroing in on a specific audience
0: that's and that's something i know that a lot of writers struggle with you know we all want to be outside of the box but then you know we've heard the adage that oh if there's not a specific shelf for it in barnes and noble then it won't sell and I've, I've even heard that with the sort of new adult what do i want to say the burgeoning of the the new adult genre that they're even kind of struggling to to place that in barnes and noble too so but I'm, I'm glad you have the thriller thing pinpointed that should help
1: well I mean, ultimately I mean we are in a dying art form here guys (laughs) like most people go home and watch netflix most people don't go home and read books like where i I think we kind of need as novelists we're kind of at a point where we need to think of ourselves as like vinyl dealers right like Mm -hmm. people go to the vinyl shop and they love finding old records and those people are are, know their product and they love it they love to collect it um but most people are listening to mp3s on their phone um or streaming they don't Listen to the MP3s anymore, and and as novelists, I think a lot of firing authors are. I don't know if they're kidding sel- themselves or they're just naive about. Everyone thinks they're going to be the next J.K. Rowling or the next Stephen King or or whatnot, and um those people are so far off in the stratosphere from even like anyone else like it, there's no point in even comparing yourself to them and uh, anyway I don't even know how I got in this uh, now <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, this is supposed to be an uplifting podcast I'm making this uh, no, my, my point is that books aren't necessarily for the masses anymore there's a very very specific type of book that takes off and is a huge hit and connects with the zeitgeist and all of that but most books are kind of a niche thing so as someone trying to market books you need to understand that it's about connecting with people one on one it's about doing interviews and having two listeners hear what you said and really connect with it um it's not about like this big mass thing of you know i don't know some corporation rolling out you know like when was the last time you saw a commercial for even a stephen king book like even stephen king doesn't have like a massive marketing arm behind him so anyway yeah book marketing it's tough man it's tough if I had all the answers, though, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd have a fancier mic or something like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm I'm not selling in the thousands or anything. So, uh, you know, what do I know about marketing
0: <laughs> speaking and speaking of uh, sort of undervalued media genres? Um, tell me a little bit about your podcast.
1: OK, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I love to talk. And I was at a book convention and I actually, it started before the book convention. My book came out and it was featured in a newspaper article along with another author from Ottawa, where I live in Canada. And the other author was just this wonderful woman and she reached out to me and shot me an email. It was like, hey, I saw your book was you know featured in the same article as mine. And we met and we had coffee and we ended up connecting and, and just becoming really, really good friends. And I loved her voice. She had this wonderful voice and so um, I had this idea in my head that I wanted to start a podcast and uh, she and I were at this book convention and it was dead There's like no one there and I was like I had my phone I was like you know what Let's just start interviewing people. Let's go around <laughs> and interview all these authors. Nothing else is going on. And so she and I went around and interviewed a bunch of people, and um, and that was the beginning of our podcast. And awesome. it was a, it was originally called Ottawa Rights, and we did a season of that. And then we realized it was really dumb to narrow it down to one city when podcasts are a global audience. <laughs> so we we rebranded as Right Along Radio, and we did another you know fifty episodes of that maybe. And uh, and then as my coaching business grew on right along radio, it was my co-host who I'm talking about is Catherine. Uh, it was mu- it was very much about Catherine and I talking to people and interviewing all sorts of people from all realms of writing, so authors, but you know all, all sorts of people. But I wanted to start another podcast the writing coach where I spoke specifically with people who worked with authors mm. so rather than interviewing authors I worked with the people who allowed authors to succeed and be their best because that's the business that I was trying to or that I am trying to build and that I'm part of and so it was meant to to hopefully get word out there about me as a writing coach but it was also meant for, uh, as a learning opportunity for me to bring in great people and, and say you know how do you help authors how do you work with them and hopefully develop my own skill set and grow my network and then share all this great uh, knowledge with the audience very
0: cool have you and you've enjoyed it like I don't know I'm I'm a slow talker sorry I'll edit this out do you feel like you're kind of changing lives by doing that
1: okay I gotta say I'm so glad to hear you said I'll edit that out because I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like okay either she's a great editor or like the most beautiful speaker in the world and I was like okay good good it's editing
0: oh my gosh yes <laughs> You're, uh, no, but your,
1: your podcast is no it really is fantastic oh, and you. your your ability to speak to writing and stuff is so wonderful and so fluent thank and uh, I really enjoyed it but a little part of me is happy to hear you edit sometimes
0: it's good to know that people are human right
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but okay, so as far as whether I feel like it's it's another another side of me. Wow, what a great question. No, because as my job as a writing coach, this is what I do. <laughs> like mm. several times a week I turn on Skype or Zoom or Hangouts and I have a conversation with someone about writing. And so doing that, you know, the fact that we hit record doesn't make that big a difference Mm. and and so it's kind of what I do like and I love it I love sitting down with writers and talking about writing with them you know it's it's the thing I love and I I don't know if I made that clear when I was telling my whole (laughs) journey but like you know what I realized was like yeah it's fun to to have a scalable thing, like a course that you can just automate and stuff. But like, I like being a service provider. I like working with people and providing value to their lives and helping them achieve something. It makes me feel good inside. I really like it. And so I I think the podcasting is just a part of that, you know, a part of connecting with people. Not everyone can afford to hire me to work with them one-on-one, but some people can still hit subscribe and get to learn every week on the podcast.
0: Kind of during that podcast, you've talked to a lot of really cool and really smart people. Um, what's been one thing that's stuck with you that's kind of come up in one of those conversations?
1: Wow. it's This was something I learned very early on in podcasting, actually, is that everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in it for different reasons. Everyone comes at it a different way. And that's one of the challenges, actually, of, of marketing myself as a writing coach, mm-hmm. is that... As a marketer, you kind of want to say, you have a pain and I have the solution. But in reality, there's no right way to write a book and be an artist and build an author career. And I'm really working with people to figure out what works best for them, Mm -hmm. what allows them to be their best selves. And I don't have the secret answer. I don't know the meaning of life or how to become a best-selling author, (laughs) sell a million books, but I know how to work with people so that they feel good about the work that they're producing and that they set goals and achieve those goals. So what I learned from interviewing so many different people is just, you know, everyone has a completely different take, everyone comes at it in a different way, and and most of us are just kind of stumbling our way along and there's there you know, the everybody's faking it, no one really has the secret to success and uh if I've learned anything, the secret to success is perseverance and just sticking with it. I mean, you've done 80 how many episodes of your of the show have you done now?
0: Oh gosh. If you count my coffee breaks, I think near I think around 60.
1: That's the secret to success right there. I mean, I went back and listened right from the beginning and you had a great show right off the bat, but you stuck with it. Like even right now, as I'm reaching out to podcasts, trying to find shows to get on to talk about M-School – I keep going to the podcasts and they're not, they haven't updated in six months, right? Like, and these were podcasts. I keep finding lists that are like 10 writing podcasts you must listen to, and half of them aren't producing anymore. And this is a blog post from a year ago or whatever, right? And so, one of the secrets to success is just sticking with it, is just not giving up, knowing that nothing happens overnight, and and that if you really just stick with it and fight through the hard times, Somewhere down the road, there's going to be some sort of payoff and that payoff is rarely what we expect. You know, the doors that opened to me from publishing a book were none of the ones I expected, but it's completely changed my life, you know, in the in the whatever it's been five years since my first book. I've met people, I've gone places, I've had experiences that I never would have had if I hadn't had the guts to publish a book and get it out there into the world. And so I, I think we all think we dream about the movie they make of our book and you know, some sort of wealth or or being able to at least quit our day jobs and, and all of that. But but in reality, the things that make doing something worthwhile are are often completely unexpected and you can't you never know what what it's going to be but if you hang with it something good will come of it i promise all all of the people listening here whether you're trying to write a novel or trying to create a podcast or trying to do whatever it is you want to do just don't give up stick with it keep learning keep growing and and you're gonna find success of some kind and it's probably not going to be what you expected but it's going to be wonderful
0: I love that you said that. One of the things that I've learned a lot about, and maybe even just the past two years, is how different our expectations are from reality and where those expectations come from. I remember when I was little, um, and I was obsessed with writers even then, I remember seeing a picture of Stephen King's mansion in Maine, and it has like this cool spiderweb gate at the front. And I was like, ooh, a gated house. That's what I have to look forward to as a writer and realizing later on that it's what actually happens is a very different but also b refreshing and wonderful. And I had the same thing to be honest. I had the same thing with my podcast. I was like, "Oh man, I'm going to have this awesome podcast and then soon I'm going to be on like Jimmy Fallon as this like awesome podcaster and it's going to be great." But just like you said with with the with the writing, it's that's not what's happened at all. And in, instead, I've made some amazing friendships. And I've connected with people in a way that I never thought possible. So I'm just, I'm going to stop rambling, but I I love that so much. There's just so much work that we go in. You know, you see people like J.K. Rowling, who to us seem like overnight successes because their book comes out like that, but we don't see the years of struggling <laughs> that go into it. So thank you yeah, for saying that.
1: Absolutely. We're both got we Same? got the water going on here. Are you oh. double fisting
0: it? Oh yeah. You got, oh
1: yeah. You got the tea and the water. Oh, yeah. So right. so
0: I have like hot tea and then cold water. Sometimes sometimes I do coffee, but I had about ninety cups of coffee today. So so yeah. So that didn't Did happen. you did
1: you say in one episode that you, you drink like seven cups of coffee before you write?
0: <laughs> I'm making a creepy caffeinated face right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was listening on the way to work and I, I was like, I must have heard that wrong.
0: Yeah. No I, no, I have I
1: have a severe problem. Yeah, no, you described you, you you said it put you in some, some sort of other state. <laughs>
0: yeah, that that's what we call overdose, and um, I I don't really recommend it. Uh, no, yeah. okay, noted.
1: <laughs> you know what's weird though, writers? I don't know if you've ever noticed this. If you go look up like a hundred writers on Twitter, forty percent of them will have something about coffee in their little Twitter. Like you have like, you can fit like 12 words in there and they feel like the fact that they're coffee drinkers is important enough to be in there. So there's definitely something to coffee in writing for sure.
0: There really is. And I don't know if it's healthy or, you know, I kind of wonder like, you know, caffeine's a drug and you kind of wonder in like 40 years, is it going to be outlawed? Like, like other <laughs> things? I don't know.
1: No, they're going the other direction. You'll be able to oh, just main mainline it right in there in a, <laughs> another ten years.
0: I like yeah. that. Are you are you a coffee person or?
1: Yeah, I have the coaching business. I have my own books. I'm also actually a ghostwriter. You're a ghostwriter too, right? You wrote three three books. Yeah, so I've written a bunch of books as well. And then I also have a full time job like you, and I also have three kids. No. So I, I yeah, so I just I live on sleep. I mean on coffee. <laughs> I would just not even be alive without copy, Yeah.
0: Okay. How does this work? Tell me about your day job.
1: Okay. So my day job is I'm a uh, public servant for the Canadian federal government. And uh, so I'm in my cubicle, you know, nine to five, soul, typical soul crushing job. And actually um, my office is like almost an hour away from my home. So in addition to like the eight hours I spend in the cubicle, I have two hours of commuting every oh day. Gosh. So Yeah, that's really a challenge. (laughs) It's actually my next book. I think I might write a nonfiction. I have two books on writing already, and I was thinking my next book might be about finding the time to write because I have a webinar I give on the topic. People ask me about it a lot. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I think there's a misperception that – people can do it all. Like someone might hear, oh, Kevin has three kids and a day job and a couple businesses and he's got a new book coming out. Wow, Kevin can do it all. But the reality is like, I'm not that good at my day job. I, I don't <laughs> spend as much time with my kids as I wish I could. I'm utterly exhausted. Like things give. Like what you see is the veneer of success or of productivity or, or whatever. But what you don't see is that there's sacrifices to that. Like, um, I've put on a bunch of weight because I'm just working all the time. And, like, there's there's so many sacrifices or, or not even sacrifices, but, like, negative attributes that busy people or successful people um, don't present. And I think it, it gives people this idea that, like, oh, why can other people do it all um, and I can't? And the reality is nobody can do it all. Either... Either you make really, really hard choices about what you're going to let go. You talked about this in an episode. You were saying you might have to let your writer's group go if you wanted to get more writing done, right? That's how you find the time to write. You make really difficult choices and really hard sacrifices. And you acknowledge that you can't be great at everything. You can't be the dad or the mom who's at every single event And the same person who puts out like six books in four years or whatever, like sacrifices are made and they're difficult and they're um, not fun a lot of the time. So um, that's how I do it. Like I do it by being really tired. I do it by making sacrifices here and there. And it's, it's hard. And I think that's something that my clients that I work with appreciate is that. I don't present myself as some perfect idol to like, you know, you guys need to be like me. I'm like, guys, don't be like me. Get <laughs> get more sleep, you know? Like if it takes you an extra 3 months to get your book out, but you get some sleep, that's probably better in the long term. So, um it's challenging. You know, I, I, I want to write this book because I do have a lot of techniques and tips and advice that people can implement in their lives to, to carve out that writing time. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about perpetuating mm. that image of the person who can do it all. But maybe that's just something I'll address in the introduction or something.
0: Yeah, maybe. I do notice that like when you were speaking just now, you use you said busy and then you changed to successful. Do you see those two related?
1: I, I don't like using the word busy at all. I think everyone says they're busy. And we are. Like, I think we live in a crazy culture where our phones are constantly beeping and there's a million things going on. And there's so much pressure to, um, you know, for everyone in the family to work and for – and also, like, that we all should have a wonderful, you know, lifestyle business, right? That, like, we – you know, in a, you know, it's, it, it's just – We're all busy and we all have the same amount of time. So you kind of need to make choices and you need to be reasonable about how you're going to dedicate your time. And I think the successful people are just the people who organize their time reasonably and and do it productively. Kind of going back to that thing about sacrifices, right? I don't watch TV, and I, it's not like I'm a hipster who's like, oh, we threw the TV out the window. I have, like, this beautiful TV. <laughs> I have a shelf full of DVDs right here, but I don't get to watch any of them. Just, I just don't have the time. Like, it's just not a reality in my life right now. I just – I can't watch Game of Thrones. I can't watch whatever it's like, cool right now because I have work to do or a family to take care of. <laughs> But I mean, that success really is is saying, OK, I'm not going to be great at everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to write a book and be all caught up on Game of Thrones. I'm going to make some hard choices. And, and read, it's for some people, the right choice is not to write a book and is to watch Game of Thrones. and Like, mm-hmm. do that marathon, guys. I'm going to live vicariously through you. But for people who want to be who, have, who set goals and want to chase them. they they make hard choices. And I know you've talked about that on your podcast, right? That you're somebody who's, when you say you're going to do something, you do it, right? And that doesn't come easy. And that doesn't come along with a thousand other things, right? Normally, you got to be focused.
0: Yeah, because I've tried to do that. I've tried to do everything and be everything and be good at everything. And it's just not possible. So I, I appreciate you saying that so much.
1: Yeah. And I think there's, especially in writers, like, I don't want to generalize, obviously everyone's different, but in general, in my experience, they're sensitive people. They have a sensitivity to the world around them and they're creatives and they're hard on themselves and they take things personally and they get hurt and they feel things deeply in a way other people might shrug off. And so, you know, I, I, I really want all the writers out there listening this to know that, it's hard. And if, if you're struggling, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not a writer. It probably means you are a writer, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's the stereotype of like the struggling writer life or whatever, but it's hard. Like it's a hard profession. It's not an easy thing. And and so people who struggle are, are there's nothing wrong with them. They're on the right path so long as they keep doing it.
0: The struggle is real. It really is. Uh, and it's it's, it's yeah. real and it's good. For you personally, you have all these things going on. When do you find or make time to write?
1: I really, really recommend to my clients that they do something called non-negotiable writing time, which is they pick a time in their schedule and they stick to it. They tell their family, they tell their friends, whether even if it's one night a week for one hour, on that one night a week for one hour, they're writing, I think that's the ideal, that you have a schedule and that you stick to it. Unfortunately, with three kids and multiple jobs and client calls and podcasting and everything, that's just not a reality for me. And so I write whenever and wherever I can. So I do a lot of talking into my phone Mm. while driving. And then transcribing that later, I do a lot of lunch hours, right, where this is probably why I'm getting fat. Instead of going for a walk, I'm (laughs) at my desk working on a novel and I work weekends and I work evenings. I mean, just like everyone else, there's no secret. There's no like, oh, you guys don't know, but like hour 13 on Thursday nights, you know, like that's where I do all my writing. No, I mean, you you write when you can and and. Another thing I recommend is that people get up early before the rest of the world is awake, before all those emails are coming in. There's fires that need to put out, be put out. Get up early and do your writing. Yes. Um, but my kids are up at 6, and I, I'm not a morning person. So I'd have to get up at 5, and it's not going to happen. So I write when and where I can, and it works. You know, I've, I've put out a ton of books. And you know, I think you talked about at one point having like word a 100-word-a-day goal, right? And that works. You know, a year and a half later, you have a novel. Like, it, it doesn't have to be whatever, you know, like four hours every afternoon, right? If you do a little bit of work every day over a prolonged period of time, you're going to have a book. So that's how I go about it. Little bits here, little bits there, whenever and wherever I can.
0: I, I feel like you're the type of writer who is compelled
1: to write. Oh, there's there's so much going on in here. It's just I'm trying to work through it all. So many <laughs> – Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't feel, you know, I, I, I don't I've been at it long enough that I, you know, you did a wonderful episode about the muse that I thought was oh. really great. But I'm definitely it's it's the job to me to like not not in a way that like the magic is gone and I don't love it or whatever. But I, but I just mean it's what I know how to do. And it's like all I know how to do, you know, I studied literature in school like this. This entire bookshelf next to me is just like book after book after <laughs> book about writing. These are all just writing craft oh, I books. Love it. So it's what I know how to do and so I do it. And, and so I don't know if I'm compelled. I certainly don't feel like the the muse is breathing mm. into me. I, I just feel like as a human being, this is what I know how to do, and so I, I do it. And I do – I get a ton of satisfaction out of it. I really do out-of-the-end product, not so much about the process. I, You know, I know there's so much advice about trying to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process because that's really what it's all about. I, As an artist, I kind of started in bands, playing in hmm. punk rock bands as a teenager. And the other guys were like, let's get together and have fun. I was like, no, this is practice. We're going to work <laughs> our asses off. We have fun at the gigs fun it's the audience cheering because we're good and that's kind of i don't think that's the best attitude to be in a band but uh i've kind of continued it on as a writer where i just kind of i go to work and i do the work and i don't hate it but I, it's not like i i would rather be watching tv but at the end of the day it's really really rewarding to say like i have a novel you know like i wrote a book this is my story i'm gonna put this out into the world and my kids are gonna read it 20 years from now and and all of that so I just wrote a blog post about this, actually, where, where sometimes people are like, oh, my writing is, is really hard and, and I'm not having much fun with it. I must have chosen the wrong book. I, I must, you know, hmm. not be a writer. And I'm like, dude, no, that's just the process. Like, it's not always fun. Mm-mm. It's not always easy. But at the end of the day, when you publish the book, it's hella fun. You know, it's fun going on podcasts and saying M school coming out. You should read <laughs> it. You know, that's the for me. That's the fun stuff. I think. As I get older, I'm going to continue to try to l- enjoy the process. And I think when my life is less hectic, you know, if I have someday have a nice writing studio looking mm. out over the lake, that I can bring up my cup of coffee and write for three hours, and you know, I, I'm sure I will enjoy that. But right now, you know, I'm, I'm scribbling down notes in between meetings uh, over lunch hour. So you know, you do your best with what you have got. And, and at the end of the day, it's the book itself that that for me is the joy. You know.
0: Yes. You mentioned your blog, and I would love to uh, link to your, your, the post that you were talking about, but can we also uh, have some ways to contact you and to stalk you online?
1: Absolutely. So pop by Kevin T. Johns dot com. And there's a link there to my podcast, The Writing Coach. There's a link to my blog. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Kevin underscore T underscore Johns. And uh, those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me or just shoot me an email anytime at Kevin at Kevin T. Johns dot com. Wonderful. And, and I will say, right now, if you go to my website right now, for over the next three weeks, if you go to kevintjohns.com, up in the banner, there's a link that says M-School. And that's the link to the early notification list. And if you get on the early notification list, you'll get my first two novels free. So you get The Page Turners and The Page Turners' Economy of Fear for free. And I'll send you an email and let you know when M-School goes on sale.
0: Thank you. And yeah. that's, that's through, it sounds like through the end of October 2016.
1: That's right. Yeah. So the book comes out on October 29th. So uh, anytime before that.
0: Anytime before October 29th, 2016. I'll make sure that there are links to all of those wonderful things in the show notes for today's episode. Kevin, it has been just an absolute joy to speak with you today. So Kevin and I have been speaking via video chat, and he is just so animated and obviously joyful in this work. You are just, you have so much energy and I want to leech it from you, but.
1: Well, I, I felt like I had to take it up a level to, to bring break through the beard. I've been working <laughs> on a, it's a playoff beard leading up to the release of the book. So it's I, I had to take the energy extra high to break through the beard here. It is, like it a is mass. a very
0: thick beard. So I can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So like, then are you just going to shave it when, when yeah. you launch? Okay. Are you yeah. going to like keep it or? Keep the, the beard. <laughs> like...
1: Like tie it into a braid and then hang it up. I might, sure. Or, like, or yeah. like tape one beard hair into the, each copy of each. I that's don't know. Right. That's right. Yes, auction it off. This is the, the special edition M School. Comes with a portion of my playoff beard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. That's 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 how you do marketing, if you ask me. <laughs> you are just wonderful to talk to. Thank you so much for being on my show today. I just I can't wait for this episode to come out.
1: Sarah, uh, thank you so much for having me. I love your show. It was a real honor to be on it. You're so sp- spectacular at this. Um, I you know, I listened to so many of your episodes and I was like, man, I got to learn to be smooth like her and stop being such a spaz. Yeah. So um, I, I love your show and it's really, really a pleasure to be on it and get a chance to speak with you. It was an honor.
0: Thank you, Kevin. I look forward to speaking with you soon.